Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe, the podcast series for beginner web developers and general web enthusiasts. Now, introducing your show hosts Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Keynes, and Ed Mann. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Three Devs and a Maybe. I'm joined today with my usual co host, Ed Mann. Hello. Uh, Lewis Keynes. Good evening. Fraser Hart is still away, unfortunately. Uh, we haven't had much contact, but we believe he's still alive. He's still somewhere in, Las in Las Vegas. Vegas so he's, yeah. Somewhere. And. <laughs> More importantly, uh, we are very, very excited to uh, to have Taylor Otwell on the show. Hi, Taylor. Hey. Hey, thank you so much for coming on and uh, giving up your spare time to come and uh, talk to us today. No problem. Really appreciate it. So uh, I guess uh, pretty best place to kick off, um, usually we go around and, and, and discuss what everyone's been up to in the week in programming terms, but we want to kind of get as much out of you this uh, this episode and kind of... Uh, uh, we've got loads of questions for you, so we'll, we'll pretty much kick straight off. But I was wondering if we could start off really by, um, if you wanted to introduce yourself and uh, and some of the projects you've been involved with, um, that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, uh, like we mentioned, I'm Taylor Otwell, and I live in uh, Arkansas in the United States, which is kind of in the middle of the United States and the really hot part of the United States. And um, I've been programming for about... Um, seven or eight years now. When I graduated from uh, college, I got my first programming job um, with a big trucking company here in the U.S. And I did primarily .NET and uh, both VB.NET and C Sharp. And then also um, it was a big enterprise business. So we had a lot of COBOL actually too. Oh, wow. And, COBOL. <laughs> yeah. So that was my intro into programming. And then um, a couple of years into that, I wanted to kind of hack on some side ideas, you know, just kind of startup ideas I had. And um, .NET is kind of a beast to host, and it's not really as common for, um, you know, just like a single person to launch a .NET startup, I don't think. But PHP was really popular, and I knew a little bit of it from college, so I started dabbling in PHP and then uh, messed with a few frameworks. And then basically, uh, like most PHP developers, it seems like, wrote my own framework and threw it out there, and I, I named it Laravel, and I, I tried to give it really good documentation from the start so that people would be able to use it, and it's kind of grew in popularity ever since. So it wasn't really your, um, when you first started it, it wasn't really your objective at that time for it to, to be as big as what it is now? It was just kind of a personal project that kind of escalated? Yeah, sort of. Um, the, I didn't know how big it would be, and um, I was okay if no one else used it. It was mainly for my personal projects, yeah. and so it was totally fine with me if it was just me. I mean, of course, I had kind of hoped it would be useful to other people, but it's so hard to gauge, you know, just kind of throwing an open source project out there. But uh, kind of the, one of the big keys was just making it easy to use, and if I knew, I knew if it was very easy to get into and very easy to adopt, that probably it would gain at least some users. Sure. And as, um, oh, sorry, Mike. Oh, no, go, Lee. Go for it. No, I was going to say, because um, I've, I've dabbled in making my own framework recently as well, and uh, I've, I've messed around quite a lot with Laravel and Codeigniter. Those are the main two that I've used. But the reason that I chose to make my own one is because I kind of I felt like I wanted to have more of an understanding of how frameworks work generally. Um, yeah. So is that kind of... Is that, is that kind of the same kind of path with you, or did you just want to kind of create your own environment to develop in? Or? Well, yeah, I think it's a few things, really. You know, just creating your own framework can be fun anyway, so it's just kind of a fun project to hack on because it's kind of your brainchild. But then also there were a lot of... Um, 
there were a lot of ideas I had from .NET that I wanted to use in PHP. So, like, uh, I was using CodeIgniter actually to begin with when I first started doing PHP. But um, I wanted the like the templating to work a little bit different because I really like the Razor engine in .NET, and then I wanted um, like my controllers to come out of the IOC container, like I was used to in .NET. So it was just kind of bringing a lot of those ideas over and kind of um, actually to back up to start with, I actually tried to just build like a Code Igniter extension or like a plugin that I could release that would bring a lot of. Um, what are now Laravel's features into CodeIgniter, but I had to kind of hack the core of the framework so much that it wasn't really possible to do it cleanly. So I kind of had to break it off and make it its own thing. Sure. How soon, sort of, from when you first started making it, did did it start getting properly picked up? And hmm, let's. See. It took me a few months to write it. I would say, and the main. Some of the tougher parts to write were, of course, like the database ORM is one of the bigger, more challenging pieces. And um, but I would say, you know, that first even from the first day, I had a somewhat of a decent um, response, I guess. I posted it on Reddit and a website called Forest, which is not really as heavily used anymore. But um, it got a pretty good response. And I was excited that it got I think it got 100 downloads the first day, which was awesome to me. Oh, yeah, that's good. So. So it was it was looking good from day one then, really. <laughs> yeah, it was. I think it just came at a really opportune time. Like Code Igniter was kind of starting to decline a little bit. Not, you know, it was kind of heading that direction Rest because there peace, was Code Igniter. Rest in peace. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there was definitely some question, you know, as to the future of it, and that's why uh, people like um, Phil Sturgeon and Dan Horrigan and their crew had started that fuel framework. I think because they kind of saw the same thing I did that Code Igniter was sort of. It was sort of trending down, and um, it was awesome for the time, but PHP had kind of moved on, and people wanted to use some of these newer PHP features. And so they started that, and I kind of started working on Laravel, actually, probably around the same time they started working on Fuel, actually. And um, even I, I remember I even like pinged Dan and asked if he wanted help on Fuel for certain features. It just never really worked out, and uh, I still ended up doing my own thing. So have you still got a, a lot of love for uh, for .NET then, or is it just the fact that the the setup process is a lot easier with PHP and it's kind of easier for for people to pick up? Or yeah, I like I still like .NET. You know, I find that like wherever you are, kind of the grass is always greener. So like yeah. if you're in .NET, like a dynamic language like yeah. Ruby or PHP looks really awesome. But if you're in PHP, a lot of times you hear them wanting like oh C sharp is really awesome, and so it's kind of <laughs> yeah. it's kind of always. Uh, just kind of where you are, the other side looks better. But they they both have so many unique strengths. Like C Sharp is really cool, and Visual Studio is really great. But um, overall, I'd say I prefer working in PHP, I guess, at least for the size of projects I'm working on, just in my own, at my job, and then in my own time, PHP really suits them. If I was working in like a huge enterprise environment, I could see it being a pretty, maybe a challenging environment to work in, in terms of... Um, just debugging and testing and like code quality, but yeah. So, do you use Laravel for both at work then? As uh, so, did, was it actually meant for work initially, or it was okay? Just a- so, how that worked out is, um, I was on Laravel version two, I think, and I was still working at my .NET job, and I got an email from Ian, my boss now, that said, you know, basically, hey, I'm looking to do some new stuff in PHP and Laravel looks really cool. You know, would you be interested in talking or whatever? And so that's how kind of how I got my first interview um, with Userscape where I am now. And we build um, a help desk solution called Snappy, which is built on Laravel. And um, 
that's kind of how I got the foot in the door. So Laravel came first and then I got hired at my job. And then we added a bunch of features to Laravel after that, that we needed at userscape. So like we added uh, database migrations and uh, a queuing system, which we needed because we we're sending lots of emails. And it's very similar in a way to like how Basecamp grew or uh, how Rails grew out of Basecamp. Yeah. It's very similar to how Laravel kind of grew out of a lot of our needs um, at Userscape. That's cool. That is very cool. And with uh, so at college then, you used uh, what Java and C Sharp. I suppose they were the primary. Yeah, and my college was pretty old school, so we used um, C plus plus, and there was there was one Java class, and I think one or two PHP web classes. And was that five three stuff, or was it all five two and below? And let's just use the old stuff. And I'm pretty sure that was. Gosh, I can't remember when five three came out. I actually didn't take any any um, specific PHP classes, but in college we had a project where we could pick any language we wanted to. And uh, my team members happen to know PHP, so I, that's kind of how I got into PHP. Wow. But uh, yeah, most of my professors were very kind of old school, though. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely feel that. Mickey, you're doing the masters at the moment. You can, uh, they love PHP, yeah. don't they? Uh, they just slate it all the time. Yeah, but uh... <laughs> they just don't know the right way. Don't well, know way. I think that's that's it. But uh, yeah, I'm doing C plus plus next year, so I'm looking forward to that actually, and uh, see how different it is. But uh, one of the questions I was going to ask actually was obviously because you've got that experience for people who've only done PHP, would you re- recommend to them to try uh, uh, going to, you know, to the Microsoft stack temporarily and just learning a bit of uh, C sharp and having a play? I think it can be good. I think going to any other stack can be good, especially if it's quite a bit different than what you're on. So like PHP and C sharp are definitely very different. So it can be very eye opening and it kind of expands your mind in a way that even if you don't stay on C sharp, you kind of gain some new perspectives that help you with your PHP. I think just how you organize your PHP or the way you write certain things. I know it's been really true for me and um, even even now, like I've been dabbling more in JavaScript and stuff um, at work, which I didn't do any front end for a long time, which really um, I was kind of scared that I was becoming like too focused on back end PHP stuff. So I got into Angular JS, and even that's been really eye opening yeah. um, to use a different language like that. Yeah. Are, are there any features of C Sharp that you would like to integrate into PHP? You wish oh, yeah. You, yeah. What, which, <laughs> sure. Extension methods, one of them? Yeah, yeah. extension methods, overloading so, methods, yep. link. Oh, link is just amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's yeah. probably one of the better features of .NET in general. I was literally just looking at your website and uh, the bit you logged on on then, overloading methods. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah, that would be quite cool, actually. Yeah. Sweet so overloading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the feature, like in my day-to-day use, that's probably the feature I run up against most is wanting to overload a method, probably. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I mean, without it, you end up with stupid name methods, I guess, that just get yeah. crazy and uh, just longer yeah. for the, the sake of it, I guess, don't you? But, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. It's probably not even possible in PHP just because of how they, how functions can be your arguments are yeah. so dynamic. That's it. That, Unless you have type hinting or something along those lines. Yeah. But I don't know uh, deep down in the core that they can actually do something like that. But yeah, I think you take it, as you say, any, any, every language has its warts and its pros and cons. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, what about Java? Are you, are you a Java fan at all? I've never used Java, so I, I wouldn't really know. It looks so similar to C Sharp, yeah. though. Like it's That's it's a worse C Sharp. Yeah. Don't worry. It's just a bad, <laughs> it's a worse C Sharp. It's C Sharp that Microsoft actually do right there, where they actually integrate and add, update it like 
on a frequent basis. Java's the corporate, they're those slow. Yeah. Finally got lambdas in 1.8. Oh, dear. <laughs> nice. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, well, one question I was going to ask actually is how do you, um, you see, uh, do you, do you kind of everything you make, you release and then it's magical or do you have like a process of fate, like things working? Like how long did it take you to release the first version of Laravel? Was there a lot of work? Yeah, there was quite a bit of work. And even since then, I would say the ORMs, even though Laravel's on version four, the ORMs got to be on like version 15 <laughs> or something like that. Like that's been, that's been rewritten and kind of rethought a lot of times because that's just such a big piece of the framework and even laravel itself like the, i remember the routing engine went through a solid five or six iterations before i had something that i liked there was it literally just chucking the code out and starting again each time sometimes yeah, yeah. for real yeah Some, especially with the routing because that's <laughs> less code and even with even with uh, the orm after i got to userscape there was one day where I just had I threw out the whole ORM and just rewrote it basically because we were hitting some limitations and stuff. But yeah, we've been through several iterations on that stuff. I was going to ask you I, I, one of the things I was thinking. Um, I know, like you were saying, and I really agree with the point you were making that that press every developer should have a go at making their own framework to kind of understand that. And that's kind of like a running theme that we have in our podcast because um, we're primarily looking at beginner programmers. It's something that um, it's something that Lou's done. Uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but, uh, I, I do agree it's a really good process. But for me, I think if I was to sit down and do that, I, I'm such an indecisive character that I would probably spend days thinking about how I want that to work. And then I'd give up. That's my thing. Well, I'd be like, yeah, I can't think, yeah. I can't think of what I want to do. I think it would be the design pattern side of things. I'm thinking how to, to do it and, uh, naming of things would be my thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> yours would all be cheese. Che- and then yeah. numbers, yeah. cheese one. Yeah. <laughs> Cheese namespace. Was that I mean, was that <laughs> a case for you? Namespace. Or? <laughs> or did you yeah. have a pretty good vision of what you wanted? No, a lot of times there are. I mean, I had an overall vision, I would say, but a lot of times, even now, like there are pull requests where, from the outside, I'm sure it looks very simple. Like, why wouldn't he merge this simple new method or new new thing? But to me, now that especially now now that Laravel's really. Yeah got quite a bit of adoption that name is in there for a long time so like i have to be really careful with deciding where things go and how things should be organized and yeah sometimes pull requests sit out there for a month just because i can't i'm still trying to think about if this is a a good idea on some simple little thing do do you still enjoy do you find that can be a bit too stressful at times that you're now kind of you've got like the weight of all these people on you almost yeah it can be it can be stressful for sure especially like um uh, let me think. I think people, people kind of lose perspective a little bit, I think, where, um, not to complain too much, but like, I think people get a little bit spoiled, like in how much is really being done for them. Absolutely. And they have trouble like doing a simple thing kind of on their own. Because of course you can, st- just because you have the framework doesn't mean you can't still add your own code on top of that to add whatever features you want. Which is exactly what you were doing with Code Igniter when you started. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah. Yeah, so sometimes that can be a little frustrating. And, and it's really hard to say no to pull requests, even still. Like, someone put time into doing it and to have to say, like, uh, this just doesn't really fit, you know, in with where we want to take things. That's still pretty hard. <laughs> but Seen on Twitter, you've, you've taken some heat for that as well, which I feel has always been a bit unfair. Yeah, Twitter, I don't know. It's just a... 
it's a mix. You know, it's when you write something like a framework and it's so much tied to your personality uh, and yeah, your yeah. personality, your intelligence, how you feel about things. And in a way, like to insult the framework is to like basically you identify yourself with that code. So it's basically like insulting you. And so, I mean, I do take things too personally, I think sometimes. And it's hard to separate yourself from your code and view them as two distinct entities that i think i think yeah i think that's totally right i mean every developer yeah no one likes yeah exactly being co- their code rubbish or something it's like, yeah, yeah especially on that scale and as you say you're giving it for free i don't know why people have such a as you say it's entitlement maybe um yeah i think code is code is like so much a thing of the mind you know it's yeah. so unique it's not like a it's not something physical it entirely comes from your head and so when people insult it it's hard not to associated with you as a person and you never signed up to it for the to be this popular i think that's another thing isn't it it's not like you're saying i know what i'm going into with celebrity you know become a you know it's you just yeah, yeah you're just a normal guy who just want yeah it's just so happens it became popular and yeah like but i mean you're taking overall of course you know everything is really positive and everything is pretty good but it's it's hard to you can have a hundred good comments but that's one bad exactly, comment yeah. can really like ruin your night and you're just yeah. like you know, cussing the rest of the night. Like, <laughs> I hate this. Yeah, I hate, exactly. I hate the world. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. It's, it makes me uh, a lot more reluctant to kind of get involved in some certain discussions that because I've seen how volatile it can be. And it, and I mean, I've only been in the industry for what three years now, and it's really surprised me that actually I came from yeah. golf before, and that was that was a very volatile environment at times with uh, people getting technical over things like the golf swing, and that could get really heated. But I never thought it would happen with something like this. It's really strange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, we discussed it many times, haven't we? But you, you think for like our kind of community and our industry that people will be a lot more receptive. But I mean, how many times have we talked about like some of those threads you see on Stack Overflow where someone's just slating someone's response when really they've given up their spare time to try and help someone else? <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's just brutal. You but, mentioned yeah. you mentioned earlier on Taylor about messing around with um with Code Igniter and stuff. Um, we had Dale on last week. Dale Reese, your uh, your friend and colleague, and I said to him, like, what kind of things would it be good to ask you this week? And um, one <laughs> oh, of the gosh. things, well, the first the first thing he said was he he said to you mention monkey dust. <laughs> yeah, and uh, watched, he introduced sorry. me to that. Uh, he introduced me to monkey dust, which I guess is one of your sick uk things <laughs> i never even heard of it before and then he mentioned it and i started watching it it's quite funny well, he introduced me to that in amsterdam it's pretty interesting but another thing that dale said um like it'd be good to ask you like your process of thinking up like the new features with laravel and that kind of goes into one of my other questions like do you find yourself exploring some of the other frameworks and the code there and you know for inspiration and ideas or are they just literally ideas that come into your head or you know where does that come from no especially in the beginning i really did look at other frameworks a lot like if i had an idea like for example um i can't remember what version it was but we added resource controllers which is something that rails does and so basically the first thing i did was go to the rails documentation and see how do they do resource controllers and we pretty much did them the same way like that was not that was not innovative at all but um, and then with routing, I looked really hard at a uh, Sinatra, which is another Ruby framework. But then, of course, for templating, I looked at .NET. So it's it's a pretty big mix, I guess. Mainly Ruby and .NET. Um, I haven't looked at too much um, from 
other, other things like Python or anything like that. But yeah, I look at that a lot. And now Laravel is kind of to the point where we're not always adding new features that often. And the features we do add maybe are not in any other framework. So like the queuing stuff, that was something that wasn't really in any other, any other web frameworks. So that was kind of, um, we had to kind of design that ourselves, but yeah, it's a mix. And mainly I would say it's looking at other frameworks, but there's a mix as well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, Ed's probably out of the three of us. I mean, Ed's been champion Laravel from, well, from day one since I've known him, I think. And, and I've dabbled back and forwards and I'm very much now getting back into it. I've been messing around with, uh, with it this week and last week. And I haven't even got to some of the new things yet, like Homestead and Forge, but I'm very excited to try those. Yeah. Uh, have you, have you used them much yet, Ed? Or? I have. I haven't used Forge, unfortunately, but Homestead I have and I do love. You've made Vagrant fun. And uh, yeah, thank you. That's yeah, that was. I hated Vagrant yeah. um, for oh. so long because it was just such a pain and was, I could just never get it right. So, like, and we had the same problem at work and we were all just like, we need one Vagrant <laughs> box we can all share that takes like 10 seconds to start up. And yeah, that's, that's what came, that's what Homestead came from. So was it, did you actually design and build that at work then and then also release it open source or? Yeah, we worked at, we worked at that at work a little bit, not, um, the whole thing. I did quite a bit of it in my free time, but yeah, some work time was spent just like, uh, I work with a guy named Chris Fidal and, um, also Eric Barnes and Chris runs a newsletter called servers for hackers. So he knew, um, you know, he was pretty knowledgeable on provisioning servers and stuff so we kind of talked back and forth about what would make what would make a good vagrant box and stuff like that but yeah and then a lot of it was spent on my free time in terms of actually packaging up and uploading it to digital ocean and all that that's cool and forge then we would you like i don't know if the li- maybe listeners would like know what, what forge is the direction of forge and yeah so forge is basically it's kind of like a poor man's heroku in a way <laughs> it's like a a provisions digital ocean servers or linode or rackspace or amazon and it actually creates the server using their api so you plug in your api key when you sign up for forge and it installs things like nginx php mysql postgres and uh, uh some other software too and then um you have a lot of other cool features like push to deploy. Uh, you can start up queue workers. You can install an SSL certificate. It's very much like a modern cPanel for PHP yeah. or Laravel. That's yeah. kind of the gist of it. When I saw this, uh, the SSL stuff, I thought, yes, 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 yeah. 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 That's something that I kind of always had to Google in the past. <laughs> oh, could never absolutely. remember how to do it. So you mean you don't even have to SSH, say it's a digital ocean box. You don't have to SSH in to install all of those stuff. You can actually do that on Forge, can you? Yeah, you can do that all on Forge. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's pretty nice. Like, you would just buy your certificate, and then you can paste it in. And, and Forge actually will SSH in, of course, and install it. How, that must have taken ages to work with all the different APIs. Like, <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, I was thinking that probably would have been the worst part, trying to... Yeah, thankfully, we only have a couple API calls. Like, we have an API call to create the server and an API call to delete the server. But other, once we have it created and to, and we need an API call to add an SSH key for Forge itself, but once we have that server up, we can pretty much manage it without making too much sure, API SSH calls. In. Yeah, but Forge took a long time to write. I mean, that was that was since way into last year like september of last year and what made you kind of go for that was it the same thing like homestead you just there's got to be an easier way of doing this 
kind of you got yeah idea. well like it's kind of the kind of going back to you know have it you have a startup idea and you want to launch it but there's so many kind of roadblocks in your way you know which framework are you going to use what's your local development environment going to be like how are you going to launch it do you know how to configure a server you know all that stuff is just headache and if you can remove all that then i think it makes people more um more inclined to try to build build out their idea and it makes um, they get less overwhelmed because if I have a startup idea and I think of all that stuff in front of me, like sometimes I'll just be like, ah, screw it. I'm not going to do it. It's just not worth the time. But if I have something like Homestead and Forge and Laravel, then a lot of those roadblocks have been removed where I can have a good development environment, decent framework, and, and then I can push it out into production pretty easily. So it's just a really streamlined process. I think that's great. I think that's really, yeah, as you say, like you want the weekend hacker, being able to work on the weekend and actually get a sister, something built without yeah. all those roadblocks that everyone has to go through, which is a pain. Yeah, yeah it's it's perfect for that. And also I've seen um, quite a few like freelancers that they launch quite a, a few new sites. And so they'll use Forge to just quickly spin up a server and it saves them quite a bit of time because they might be making, you know, I don't know, five or six, seven servers a month. And so that's really nice for them. That's so good. Cool. Well, one random question. Where did the, word, the name Laravel come from? Such a that was kind of <laughs> that was actually kind of totally invented. Um, I've always had I don't know I was having such a hard time coming up with a cool name. And actually, at first, I think the first code name I had for it was like Boot Plant or something stupid like that. <laughs> and um, I kind of gave up on coming up with a name that had any meaning and just picked a name that sounded cool and went with that. So it has no deep meaning or anything behind it. Oh, you could just make it up now, you know. This is my spiritual name, you know. Yeah, no, I need I need to come up with a cool excuse. I still can't think of one. I think I'm just going to pick up a dictionary, open a random page and then just put my finger on a word and that'll be it. And then you'll regret that word for the rest of your time. The rest that's, of been, the that's been the hardest part, actually. Like trying to pick a name. name. Yeah. Oh, so would you say Forge has probably been the hardest component to make the whole way through then? or? Mm, yeah, that was a big project. Um, was that all in your free was, time as well? Yeah, and that was all on free time. That's why it took so long. I think if I was working on it full time, I could do it obviously quite a bit quicker. But yeah, and it was it was tough because um, I had never done front end before. So what I did actually was I wrote the whole thing like a very ugly, just like plain HTML, and then I was just going to try to figure out the design when I got there, like if I even got that far, you know deal with that when it happens when it happens yeah in the future yeah and so then once i actually did get that far and i was like holy crap this is actually going to work um then i had to learn bootstrap and (laughs) angular so (laughs) so this was all your own project you didn't uh no one else kind of chipped in at the the very beginning dale for probably the first couple months dale helped me out um and he helped me figure out some of the basic provisioning stuff and ssh stuff and installing nginx he was a big help on all that and then i kind of took it and ran with it and kind of pushed the idea i guess deeper than we had originally intended to go like at first we were just going to provision a server and that was kind of it and we weren't going to do anything else but then i kind of pushed it further into like installing ssl and q workers and deployment <laughs> and dale's like it's- you're crazy you're crazy no the mad <laughs> yeah. scientist <laughs> yeah who else other than, than dale at the moment who would you consider to be like your main sort of team and you know sort of what are their roles specifically within the whole layer of operation hmm uh well other kind of prominent members in the community would be like Jeffrey Way, who runs yeah. uh, Laracast, which is huge, and he has hundreds of videos on there. So that's basically a, um, uh, especially an educational site that has lots of Laravel screencasts and tutorials, basically on Very tons good. of different yeah. topics. 
Um, so he's he's obviously a huge part of the community, even though he's not a regular contributor to the code itself. He's pretty instrumental in building the community. And then um, Sean McCool runs the Laracon in Europe, the Laracon conference in Amsterdam, and then also kind of heads up the Laravel IO site, which has our community forums mm-hmm. and uh, like a question and answer site. Uh, then, of course, we have contributors to the framework, um, which there's there's been a lot of those, you know, that have contributed various things, probably too many to name, but those are kind of the, some of the bigger community members. And obviously, like, I think Dale mentioned, though I don't know if it's, it's still in the early works, about Laracon UK maybe happening. Yeah. Would be quite cool. Yeah. Yeah. That would be nice because yeah. I like to, uh, I like to travel over there and see different stuff. So that would be really fun would to be very, throw very out fun. Laracon UK. With Laravel Forge, do you like to talk about the stack and like what you use? Are you on DigitalOcean yeah. for it? Amazon? Like, how did you kind of go about that type of thing? Uh, so Laravel Forge obviously does a lot of queuing and the server setup is, um, it's all on Linode and it's five servers. There's two web servers, which is, that's overpowered. Like I could probably drop one of those, but there's two web servers, a node balancer, um, and then a database server and then two worker servers. And the, the one of the worker servers only does, um, kind of provisioning. And then the other worker server only does your code deployments. And each of those workers has, I think, eight eight workers going at once. So there's a total of 16 Q workers always listening. And uh, the whole stack, I think, runs on five. They're all four gigabyte servers. And uh, Forge actually built all the Forge servers. That's so cool. How meta is that? <laughs> yeah. So, Forge and Forge. It's a pretty powerful setup. I need to scale it down a little bit, but I didn't know how big I would need it when I first launched. Did so. you find that you, have you had a, a good reception from it then when you first launched and... Yeah, yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, you know, I'm pretty happy with with people people's response to it, and it's had a, a pretty good number of signups. So I'm pretty pleased with its how it's going so far. And I still have ideas I'd like to add to. That's it, what I was going to ask. Like, just, have you got anything in the pipeline that maybe? Yeah, like, I've got cool quite, stuff. I've got several ideas I want to do, but um, kind of this first month or two, I've been pretty busy with um just kind of answering fixing bugs and answering questions and stuff. But now actually things are starting to, to really die down. Like I've only gotten like one email today about forge. Um, <laughs> and you're like, woohoo. <laughs> yeah. So now I probably, I have more time because a lot of the time at night, like I have to fix something or look into some problem and I don't have time to add a new feature, but yeah, there, there are definitely things I want to do. Like one of the things I want to look into soon is some kind of um, automatic node balancing from, for, from forge. Ooh. And like a big thing, um, I don't really know if this would be feasible or if this would even be a good idea, but at some point I think it would be really cool to be able to manage your DNS from Forge oh, so wow. that it's really, really easy to point um, a domain at your site. And I've even got crazier ideas than that where like if I if I could contract someone to build like a Forge desktop app that you could just drag a folder to, like maybe up in your Mac menu bar, and that it would launch a server with that oh. Git, Git repository, like that would be really cool. But I don't have the skills, so I'd have to, um, you know, after I raise some funds, I might be able to contract something like that out, which would be really sick. Have you encountered any anything so far with Laravel that you that you've really wanted to do but haven't been able to for whatever reason, or? You know, do you take confidence that you can create these new things because everything so far has gone well? With Laravel, I do have one feature um, that I want to flesh out, and hopefully, I'm hoping I can introduce it at Laracon in Amsterdam. Um, it's nothing as big as Forge, um, but it's just kind of a new feature I've been thinking about for a little bit. 
but yeah, we'll see. A lot of Laravel is so... I feel like a lot of it is pretty feature complete at this point, but I think there's still a few things we can do. I've got to ask, like, how do you have a life after doing all this? <laughs> full day's work and then Laravel? Because I assume... I think this is probably the misconception is you get to work on Laravel all day, people must think. But you mm. don't. You have a full-time job as well. So, yeah, how do you balance it out? Well, one thing that's really helped is... um. Ian, my boss, gives me every Friday to work on Laravel. And that's not Laravel Forge. That's just like Laravel open source stuff. And um, so basically what that lets me do is every Friday I can work a whole lot of pull requests and issues. And so during the week, I almost never work on Laravel, the framework, at night anymore like I used to. Now I just work on uh, Forge at night. And I spend eight hours on Friday, which is probably more than I would have spent during the week, probably uh, doing all issues and pull requests and bugs on Laravel. Um, and then, of course, on the weekend, I probably get another five or six hours at you've least. Got, on, you've got a wife and kids as well, and I just don't know how yeah. you balance this out. That's crazy. Yeah. So, like the past two, human. the past two weeks, I haven't done hardly anything at night. I've just like worked eight to five, and then <laughs> and then just crashed out. It's done. Yeah, done nothing. Like laid in bed and watched Star Trek, pretty much. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'll, I'll probably get back on it now that the conference is coming up. I need to probably get back on a few of these features. Never understand why the guilt kicks in. Like the the moment you treat yourself to a night off like that, suddenly you're lying there <laughs> trying to watch Star Trek or whatever, and you think I really should be doing that. I should be. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. me thinking that, and you're obviously uh, running this enormous framework. So yeah, must. Be. Yeah, my uh, my time my time during the week is kind of limited because I don't usually work on it until my wife goes to bed. My wife really likes to sew like clothes and stuff. So if she's working on that, a lot of times I'll bring my laptop out into the living room. And work on it that way. But if she's not doing anything, then I wait until she goes to bed to work on stuff just so I'm not like always on the computer. But then usually she, if she goes to bed at like 10, then I only have like a couple hours probably to work on something. That's crazy. Well, you juggle it all. It's impressive. I'm not going to lie. Has yeah. that been the biggest challenge with the whole thing? Or, or has it been more specific things with Laravel that have been the biggest challenges? Or Yeah, it is. I mean, it is a time requirement and the time requirements are, I mean, they're increasing a little bit. Um, you know, working on Laravel on Fridays is obviously such a huge thing because you get so much more done than just working two hours because you can get that whole eight hours to focus. You can prep um, for it, can't you, as well? You can say, like, I'm going to get yeah. that done that bit, yeah. Yeah, and so Monday through Thursday, of course, um, I can jot down ideas or just you know tuck things away mentally of what I want to get done. And then Friday, like I'm pretty much ready to get a lot, a lot of issues done. So with your work then, do you just, are you primarily the PHP developer or would you say then you're also JavaScripts and the whole stack kind of? Well, at first I was only PHP and, and my buddy, um, Eric Barnes, who works at Userscape as well, he did all the front end for our, uh, first snappy. And then, um, for our new snappy iOS app, we built it using, um, PhoneGap and a new thing called Ionic. Uh, which is like a front-end framework that looks very native. And so I built all of that. Um, and so that's how I kind of got into Angular and JavaScript and stuff. And now I'm I'm a lot more comfortable on the front-end. So like we're building a new uh, Lara job site, like a job board for Laravel uh, developers. And I've been, I've been doing some of both on that front-end and back-end. So, so it's kind of nice to be more, real wound, more well-rounded now than I was because I felt like I was kind of only useful in one particular area back then. So we're going to say a Laravel uh, JS there maybe framework coming out one day. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm no. not that good at JavaScript. <laughs> oh, so where do you, with, with all this stuff, where do you find time to learn new stuff and like experiment? Because I suppose you've got all these 
commits and all these like problems to deal with like saying that i want to spend yeah. some time just kind of hacking to like when it was at the beginning where you were able just to hack for a bit and just see if things go crazy or not yeah well like at first you know i i, I had a lot of free time to improve Laravel, but now more recently with my front end stuff i kind of had to learn it you know just because of work and stuff so i had no choice but to dig in and try to learn it and that, it was tough but um now I'm, I'm really glad i went through that and now uh, feel a lot better about it but yeah in terms of other newer stuff like i'd really like to play with go but i haven't had the time to mess with it yet and who knows when i'll have the time to mess with That's it, it. Like, do you ever uh do you ever have days where you're fed up with programming or um do you ever get oh, that yeah. burnout yeah, or? yeah like fed up an hour about it's like screw this and you just do <laughs> you know you just sometimes yeah, yeah like sometimes um I think about like what would my life be like if I was just like doing a regular job. <laughs> but overall, you know, I think it was definitely a good career choice for me. And even though it can be stressful at times, I really do like it. Yeah. Um, it's a lot like, I don't know, it's kind of like my Minecraft in a way. Like it's kind of my playground to do whatever I want. So it's, it's kind of fun for me in that way. Is there anything out of uh, programming that you enjoy? Any other hobbies? Yeah, I really like to play basketball, actually. Um, that's my outdoor thing. Um, I like to go hiking. And Arkansas, where I live, is pretty um, – uh, people think it's really flat, but actually a, a big chunk of it is pretty hilly, I guess. It looks a lot like uh, what Dale shows me at Wales. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't go to Wales. Hills. We don't go to Wales. No, joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I like to get out and hike and um, – and play basketball and stuff. I usually play basketball a little bit at lunch every day who just to uh, get some like actual oxygen. Who do you yeah. support? Uh, gosh, I kind of like uh, Miami's team just because of, of course uh, you, do, you know, yeah. they have and, the good and, player. And then they opt out, but yeah, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. One thing I was going to ask when we had um, Phil on the other, uh, other week, he was saying, uh, obviously when Codeignizer came out, he was obviously doing quite a lot of consultancy work because there was quite a lot of demand out there for obviously companies, the business world, when it was taking up Code Igniter for training. Is that something you found that you get, do you get a lot of requests for that kind of stuff or is it I something get, that interests you? Uh, I get a few more than I used to, but I still get way less than I think people expect. Like I maybe only really? get like one, one a month, I'd say, um, of people asking, you know, am I interested in working on a, a certain project? And, you know, almost always I can't, but, um, yeah. I, I don't know if it's just, I, I see a lot of jobs out there, like on the, on the forums, or even now I'm starting to see them more on a more traditional, like job posting sites. Uh, like I've even seen some on Stack Overflow careers. And, that must um, make you smile though. It's like, yeah, that's pretty that. cool. It's so cool. It's yeah. like people actually ask for it. it recruiters yeah, that, and stuff. That's like, one you know, of my favorite things actually is to see, um, yeah, just see those jobs out there. That's really cool. Do you think that's a credit to the documentation then that you're not getting those emails that, that people can just go to the site and pick it up so quickly, I guess? Yeah, I hope so. Um, I'm sure, I think Jeffrey Way actually gets probably quite a bit more emails than I do <laughs> just because right. he's kind of the one doing all the learning materials. Yeah, uh, so I think sure. he gets quite a few questions. And, uh, but I actually, it- I, I sit in IRC all day, you know, and I'm actually really surprised almost no one ever messages me ever. They're scared. They're like, no, we're not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Jeffrey Way's doing a pretty um, pretty exciting course on, on Laracast at the moment, isn't he? He's building Larabook. Mm, he's, uh, yeah. he's doing a tutorial starting off from um, installing Homestead right through to Forge and making uh, making Facebook in Laravel, basically. So <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, cool. I imagine there's going to be a lot of people, myself included, going through that one. 
Yeah, people always really. I remember when Laravel first came out, everyone wanted like, "Do you have a blog example of like a blog written in Laravel that I can look at?" And that, we heard that a thousand times. I swear, and <laughs> the whole Ruby on so, Rails thing, isn't it? Yeah, build it in fifteen minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you see yourself? Um, obviously, you've got great guys like Dale and and Jeffrey around you. Do you do you maybe have in mind over the next few years that you might sort of step back a little bit yourself to? To let, to let some of the other guys do a bit more or do you still plan on remaining very much kind of at the forefront of it all or right now I pretty much don't have any plans to to change my role um, as far as I can tell you know I'll be involved you know like I am now for a while and um, yeah because I'm, pre- I'm pretty happy with where things are at and I like kind of managing the code base and making sure like the vision for Laravel stays in place and that we don't kind of wander off course either too um, like too bloated or too, you know, or you can be like almost too minimal where you don't have anything useful really. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough balance. So I still kind of like to be the one that kind of maintains that balance. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I guess that is really a important point actually, because it must be tempting at times to put in features and then you think, well, if you put in everything that you wanted to, where does it end? You like, do you end up with like a smiley helper class or yeah, something like that? Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I shouldn't have referenced yeah. that, but yeah, well, I guess that's one we get a lot, uh, one feature we get a lot or one request we get a lot of stuff like, um, we used to get a lot of MongoDB requests and I really hesitated on that because it's like, it's so easy just to distribute that yeah. as a package. And now we have, you know, several packages for that and uh, other stuff like image manipulation. You know, we could have like an image resizer thing, but now there's a couple great packages out there to do that. So yeah, you kind of have to be careful and like, um, and kind of weighing that balance. Pick but, your battles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess composers taking a bit of that strain away, I guess it's yeah. easier to kind of handle that, I guess. Where would you stand with your recommendation kind of to beginners? Um, would you, would you say to them, go straight into using Composer and packages or maybe try and make some of these things yourself to get a bit more of a basic understanding? Or um, I guess it just depends what you want to do. You know, If you just want to get stuff done, then probably it'd be better to go just straight into using a framework and packages and whatever. If you're looking to kind of um, grow yourself as a developer, I guess, then I guess you could kind of start writing some of your own stuff while... Uh, looking at other packages to see how they do it would be a good thing to do. Um, but yeah, in terms of just getting stuff done, I think it makes sense just to um, just to use something that's out there. So it kind of depends on your goals. Your goals is are you trying to you know build a business and make money primarily, or are you trying to learn more as a developer? So it's gonna be different yeah, approaches. I've been backwards and forwards on it because on on the one hand, I, if something breaks, I want to be confident that I can fix it. Yeah. But I also I don't want to deprive myself of using the you know, the best things out there as well. So it's trying to find that balance, I think. Yeah, and I'm always really careful to like not. Um, I don't really like telling people like what to do because I don't know. It's it's just like a free world, right? You can just kind sure. of do whatever yeah. makes you happy. <laughs> and if you're happy doing what you're doing, then that's all that matters, really. And if you're not that's happy, it. then you know you can change something but as long as you're happy as a person and satisfied with what you're building then that's really what we're working for i guess would you um i would you say you're around php for the long haul or do you think that 
you'll move like if another language like say maybe python you know or something intrigues you make a framework there or is it really php at the moment sure <laughs> right now it's kind of php or bust i guess yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, i'm so you know I'm, I'm so entrenched at this point um but then also not I think PHP's kind of improved so much that yeah. I don't find that really a bad thing now since we have things like Composer and uh the language itself has improved so much and it's continuing to get cool new features. Uh I think PHP really is in a good spot, especially since it's a very obvious um even though I think a lot of kind of programming architects would not really recommend it as the first language because I think it teaches bad habits. I think it's a natural first language because it's so easy. And so I think in turn, like Laravel is in a really good spot because Laravel is a very natural landing spot in terms of PHP frameworks because it's very easy to learn the basics at least. And uh, it has good documentation. So really I think PHP has a pretty high ceiling and Laravel has a pretty high ceiling that hasn't really been fully realized yet just because of how many people are using PHP and how many people will probably come to PHP in the future, you know. That's quite interesting. We get a lot of people come on the show and, and kind of tout JavaScript as a as a good first language for people to learn. Um, yeah. But I, I, I'm with you, really. I, I would say, well, either one of those languages, JavaScript or PHP, is, is a perfect kind of... I, I, I think the way of saying natural language, I think that's totally right. Yeah, it, it just works, yeah. doesn't mm. it? And I think that's what I kind of loved about PHP when I first started. Yeah, it well, may not be the technically, as you said, the, you know, the greatest language architecturally made, uh, and yeah. it does have some bad <laughs> habits, but, but you can use it the right way. And, you know, I think, yeah. and I think that's why I was like with Laravel and stuff, you've kind of spearheaded a lot of the PHP world where people just building websites and stuff that, you know, we started off very much just in a procedural way. Then Code Night came on, we learned about MVC, and then you've come along with, you know, unit testing and making it actually possible. And yeah, I think, it, as you say, yeah, it's a great kind of, yeah, we're in a great position with PHP. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, in the future because I think a lot of it too is, you know, the universities are going to play a pretty big part, I think. But when I came out of university, like, um, I knew how to FTP HTML files up to a web server and it's like, oh, PHP works the same way. I can just FTP files up to my server and then it works. And so it's a very natural kind yeah, of growth yeah, you from, just from, doing, yeah, from doing HTML to going to PHP. It was, uh, it was really interesting when we had Dale on last week because uh, I asked him the question, I quite often ask this question to guests, but... Uh, I always say, like, uh, for a beginner programmer, do you recommend that they they learn the language and then they learn a framework, or or do mm. they start with a framework? And and the way that Dale put it, I'd never really considered before, but he said with something like Laravel, you kind of if you learn with Laravel from the beginning, it's going to encourage you to learn the right way. Because, the, like I say, there are many parts of the language that you could go off in, in a bad direction, but mm-hmm. kind of because you're using all the good stuff, it kind of puts you off in the right direction i guess yeah yeah it's hard to say i think it i think it does kind of obviously save you a lot of grief um you know it it can be it can be a little confusing i guess because you know how people always gave like jquery developers a hard time because they don't know javascript they only know jquery (laughs) oh yeah blah 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 i guess you could have some of that in a way like you know laravel but you might not know php that great but i'm always like sort of pragmatic in the sense that like i don't really care and as long yeah. as people are getting stuff done, I can't. <laughs> I don't and, really care. And they can read the source. Like, 
it's yeah. all available. I think that's the great thing. It's not like you're closing it off saying no one can see the magic underneath. It's like if yeah. you don't, if you want to understand how something works, then just look at the source and it's a great learning tool in itself. Like, yeah, if you get stuck with something, look at the source and see what's going on underneath. That's how, that's how I learned PHP yeah. really was looking at the code igniter source and um and just seeing how they did a lot of things and i learned a lot of php that way do you have any sort of um tips for for navigating through the source code of laravel so obviously there's there's a fair bit there and and stuff do you know are there any kind of tools been put in place to to maybe help that to people like me that quite like to look under the hood at these sort of things uh well we do have the api documentation um online but then also um one kind of like central point of laravel is Every component usually has a couple of classes called service providers, and those actually register all the parts of that component. So, like, if you go to the database component, there'll be a database service provider class, and that class, that one class will kind of let you see how everything is kind of tied together and works together. So, those are kind of the good um, central uh, spots to look in each component to understand how that component is actually structured and works. Um, one question I was, uh, what, uh, with, uh, building this thing and everything like that, what has been the fee, the most kind of, the thing that people have struggled with the most? I think with 4.0, I think kind of things got a bit, people get confused with, I'm going to say facades and bring up that, mm-hmm. uh, well, it's just stupid why they complain about the name of that. But what things have been the most confusing for people, like with emails, sending stuff back, like people have got the most, I think, um, Gosh, I don't know. Um, I don't get a lot of emails like that, but um, gosh, it's hard for me to think what would be like a big problem area. I think that's good. I think that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the question. I, I think that's great. Yeah, I don't get a lot of emails like that because uh, under the hood, 4.0 was a lot different, but on the surface, it was not very different uh, because of the facades and stuff. It, it looked very similar. Um yeah, so it was a pretty smooth transition there. Um, people have quite a few questions, I guess, in terms of like writing their own packages. When you get to like that point and you're trying to do some pretty advanced stuff, a lot of times, sometimes I'll get questions about how to um, structure your package or tie it in with the framework or whatever. But as far as the core of the framework goes, I don't get a lot of, um, I don't get a lot of stuff, mainly eloquent stuff, how to build like a really gnarly query and eloquent. Uh, we get that a little bit. Do you sometimes just say, just write it in raw SQL? <laughs> yeah, I really do, actually. Yeah, just I just like, said that the other day. Yeah, it's just like, write that in raw SQL. There's no point in, yeah, just write in raw SQL. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that would have been a great question if we've got the guy who made Magento on. I think that'd be <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> you must get bombarded if it's a single person, I don't know. But that would be a great thing for you, Ted, actually, if you could make a, a nice oh, I love e-commerce it, yeah. platform. E-commerce platform. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've got cashier. Yeah, I get that. So... Magento must be really horrible because people tell them me that all the time. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah, brilliant. it really is. Yeah, yeah. If you could do that, if you could do yeah, it this weekend, it's well, free time. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's not like it doesn't. That's a question I was going. Would you like to work on it full time, or do you like the idea of still having your day job and this being kind of outside of it? Well, right now it's kind of nice um, being outside of it because obviously you get two income streams. But um, if it ever, I mean, I don't know. You know, just have to see. It's it's still manageable right now to do it outside of it, especially with Forge which I didn't know how much weight Forge would be when I first launched it. I didn't know if it would be like 50 emails a day, you know, but now that I can see that it's, you know, anywhere from one to five emails a day, that's very manageable. And especially because I give very terse, like one sentence responses um, to most stuff. So you're right now, you just get things done. Yeah. 
Yeah, and um, right now it's really manageable. And, of course, I use Snappy um, to manage all the support on Forge, and I need to go in there and set up, like, phrases so I can just do, like, one word to uh, to give these canned responses. <laughs> but. Um, can I ask you a question uh, related to unit testing quickly? Because um, I, I kind of started with uh, PHP. It was my first language and did that for a few years before I decided to go to university and study computer science. But... It was only when I started learning Java that I got into the whole unit testing thing. And before yeah. that, it was practically unknown to me. But is that an experience that, that you had when you started learning PHP? We, did you find that it, it was more like an afterthought to, compared to what it was with uh, .NET and, and that kind of stuff? Uh, a little bit, maybe. Like, I think it's, well, let me think. I think some PHP developers view all .NET developers as like experts and yeah. really, really awesome at architecture. And that is not the case at all. Like really, that's how so, I think of you actually. Yeah. No, like the, I've seen some nasty, nasty .NET code and, um, that's very plus hard. One, plus one on that. And yep. <laughs> not, it's not tested, but I think, uh, I think the focus on testing, you know, is there's obviously a big group of people that use C sharp that are very focused on testing and architecture and stuff. Um, and when I first came into PHP, I would say that it was less of a focus in PHP and more of an afterthought. But now I don't know if it's through just, you know, PHP bloggers and different articles or whatever, but now I would say unit testing is just as much as focus as it was in .NET. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because it just seems like the whole conversation has changed. Like a lot more PHP developers are talking about uh, unit testing and various design things like domain-driven design. And now people are getting into like uh, BDD and and stuff like that. So, yeah, things have changed so much. And, of course, Composer didn't exist. Yeah. It's just a whole different world, really, than even just a few years ago. When did you come into PHP then? Like, I know you did it a bit at college and stuff, but like afterwards saying, I want to start using PHP for my hobbies. Was it 1.3 or? Uh, I came in on. Oh, 5.3, sorry. Yeah, 5.3. It was 5.3. It was around 2011, late 2010, early 2011. Yeah, and 5.3 was out. So I never used PHP before 5.3, really. You lucky, lucky person. I know. <laughs> Yeah, I got I got really lucky there. Like my boss was on, you know, PHP four and stuff. I was trying to see if I could find the changelog for uh, PHP one point three, but I can't find it. Sorry, anywhere. yeah, one point three. It would have been great yeah, to see what came 1. in. 3. Yeah, that would have been awesome. <laughs> it was a solid personal homepage, you know. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, did you watch uh, the the video series on TDD that was on uh, on the yeah, Google Hangouts is recently? TDD dead? Yeah, I think it's a bit. A little yeah. bit. Yeah, I watched it. I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, oh, it's the same. Yeah. What did you? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. What are your? Are you? Do you use TDD yourself or? I don't use it. I don't use TDD very much. I do a lot of writing tests. Yeah. Um, Laravel has. I think we're up to like twenty three hundred tests, but uh, almost none of that was written with TDD. Um, Most of those were written after the fact, and usually I write. I write the code and then I'll write the test right after and. I don't know. It's just kind of the groove I'm in, and maybe one day I'll do more TDD. But right now, it it works pretty well, and um, I do think about testing as I'm writing code. I'm always thinking about like, am I going to be able to test this code? Because I know I'm going to have to write a unit test for it. So I kind of write it in a certain style that I know will be testable, but and then write the test after. 
Yeah, I think that's your philosophy, Ed, right? Yeah, it's, absolutely yeah. the same. I think it just it, if it works for you, I think that's the thing with um, I think Ken Beck, wasn't it? I felt sorry for him because if it works for him that he wants to write the test first, that's great. But I'm on your, on your countdown where you know I'll write the code first, but obviously you always are thinking I better make this testable because mm-hmm. I'm going to have to write the test anyway, so I'm going to have to refactor yeah. and change it afterwards. So yeah, it's you know I mean you're committing the same thing after you know it's just the way you're kind of thinking of it, I suppose. Yeah, and I think for me, a lot of times, like, I'll have a code idea, and I'll get really excited, and, like, I'll start coding on that idea, and before you know it, like, I'm too far along to, to you know, I write the whole thing, and then I'm done, and it's like, oh, now i got to write tests, but <laughs> you, you just get excited about an idea, and you want to start hacking well, on it right Well, that's it, hacking it out, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're doing stuff like what you were doing, like, frameworks, I mean, this is just new code. This is just, you know, yeah. an idea, and, as you, yeah, like, working on it. Cool. Well, we're nearly coming up to the hour mark, guys, so if you've got, like, uh, I'm going to call this... Yeah. Golden questions. The golden questions. <laughs> <laughs> golden round. The golden yeah. round. I, I do. Have, yeah. uh, my, my question. I think going back and see what one feature from C sharp would you like to see in PHP? Gosh, it's a toss up between link and method overloading. But I, I know we'll never ever ever have method yep. overloading. So I'll call. I'll just say link. <laughs> <laughs> good choice. Good choice. How about you, Lee? Have you got your, your golden question? Uh, I don't know if we kind of covered it. It was basically um, any brand new people thinking about getting into web development. Taylor, um, what would you yeah. suggest to them as their pathway? Mm, sign up for Laracast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, of course, assuming you know some HTML and stuff. Um, gosh, what would be a good? What's hard for me is recommending things like if you don't know any PHP, which I guess is what Dale's kind of trying to do now. Uh, with his with his new book, uh, yeah. I don't really know the resources there. But if you're trying to learn Laravel, definitely Laracast is like the best option for sure. Yeah, and Jeffrey's not paying me to say that. <laughs> Do you sometimes look at Laracast just to remember what you did? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I learned. Uh, no, well, I learned how to use Gulp, uh, the Gulp Task Runner. I learned that from Laracast. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. What's the What's the pipeline for Laravel 5.0 is that even is that in conception have you got any weird scientific you know science side mad ideas no that's really not even been conceived like I feel like Laravel 4.x is pretty solid and honestly I, I haven't had any plans for 5.0 which probably makes some people relieved because there was quite a quite a bit of changing there for a while uh, but yeah I don't I think I can continue to add features this way for a while and I mean, the only thing I can think of that would necessitate a 5.0 would be like some kind of radical shift in PHP itself to where we had to, uh, you know, we just had to have these new breaking we features. We had method overloading. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if we had method overloading, that would be a 5.0 release. See, I'm a PHP developer, so I need to go away and Google method overloading, don't I? <laughs> yeah. It's basically where you can define the same method with different, with different argument lists. And so mm-hmm. like the, it will call the right method based on what you pass in. Oh, okay, cool. So yeah, like because of the data types as well. well we, of course, in good old PHP, we can't because we're like, yeah, we don't really know anything after the name. We just <laughs> yeah. have whatever. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Taylor, for coming on, for spending your time. It's been great. Kind of yeah, yeah. the man behind Laravel and knowing that you, you already I can't still believe you how you juggle all that stuff. It's beyond me. No <laughs> idea. No idea. Well, thanks yeah. for having me. That was fun. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely our pleasure. And like like Ed says, we we yeah we we're grateful for everything you do with uh, Laravel and uh, and thank you for coming on tonight. It's been really really great. So uh, cheers. Is yeah, it, right. I was to say, is there anything you would like to plug or your company maybe or yeah, 
Uh, well, uh, you know, I work on Snappy, so go use that if you need a help desk. And, uh, you know, Lara jobs uh, on the Laravel front, if you're looking for a job or you, you have a Laravel position you're trying to fill, uh, fill uh, you know, check out Lara jobs. It should be up in the next week or so. Um, so, yeah, that'd be awesome. a good spot to go check. Brilliant. Well, thank you Laravel so much. Laravel podcast is brilliant. Yes, as well. that's another one. That's <laughs> yeah. Add yeah. all these into the show notes. And, well, thank you again, <laughs> Taylor. It's been awesome. All yeah, right. Thanks. Yeah. Cheers. Bye. 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 You've been listening to Three Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at contact at threedevsandamaybe.com or follow us on Twitter at the number three, Devs and a Maybe. <laughs>